Good afternoon and welcome to Man Cave, a local program heard on the second and fourth Wednesdays of the month here on Salt and Light Radio. It's a local show where Catholic men can come together, share their faith stories, and discuss issues affecting men in today's culture. In the studio today, Pat King, my name is Brian Howell, and we've welcomed back Deacon Pat Kearns from Our Lady of the Valley in Caldwell. We had him on back in February, and uh, Pat and I didn't get a word in edgewise because of the incredible story that Deacon Pat had to share, and there was just so many more. He's kind of like an onion, Pat. You just peel him away a layer uh, at a time. Well, yeah, as I got to researching a little bit more about him and ask him to do the show, I said, well, what hasn't he done? I mean, that would have probably been the easiest question. What haven't you done? And so now I've, I found out he's got books and got back from Guatemala. And holy cow, now he's got the men in motion. So we're going to talk about men in motion at uh, the last half of the show. But I, I, I heard about these books. And then uh, what else have you done? I mean, good. Have, well, okay, first, let me ask you, why did you come to Idaho? I mean, you've, you've. Oh, we didn't talk about no, that. Did no, no, no. Yeah, how do we get from California to Guatemala to Caldwell, Idaho? Yeah, I mean, this is not the like. Uh, oh, yeah, look at that's the best place to live. I mean, I think it is, but yeah. what brought you here? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. And um, gosh, there's lots I haven't done. You should see my bucket list. <laughs> well, I know you drive a motorcycle or ride. I'm sorry, ride a motorcycle. I do. I do. I love. I love my motorcycle. Actually, to, I guess to answer your question, though. I think it was God's hand that brought my wife and I here to Idaho. It wasn't in our plan. As I mentioned on the last show, we were living in Guatemala, and we thought we were going to be there for quite some time. A couple things happened in our life that really brought us to to need to come back to the United States. But the plan was initially to, um, to settle in Texas. My son lives in San Antonio, and we really thought we were going to go to San Antonio. We did a scouting mission from Guatemala. We hopped on a plane, went to uh, Texas, and really started looking at where we might want to live there. And Why did you decide to leave? I thought you were going to stay in Guatemala for a long time. What prompted yeah. you to come back? Well, you know, a couple of things, and this is kind of funny. Maybe the first one isn't, but the second one is. You know, my wife is an only child, and her mom um, actually needed to move in with us. And so we really had to think about, could we bring her down to Guatemala or not? And really, the way we were living in Guatemala, high in the mountains in this small village— um, in a third world country where we didn't know some days if we had water or not, if we had electricity or not. And where we lived, there wasn't any stores there. They basically just lined the streets on what they called market day, where they would bring their chickens and their fish and their fruits and vegetables. And I really couldn't see bringing an elderly lady to Guatemala. <laughs> so that was one reason to come back. And here's the funny reason. My daughter, uh, who's a student at Loyola University in Chicago, um, needed needed for me to co-sign a loan for her to be able to continue to go to school. And I really didn't think this through ahead of time. But to co-sign a loan, you actually have to have a job. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And um, and I didn't. we didn't have a job. My wife and I, we were living in Guatemala, and we were basically just living off savings at that point. It didn't cost a lot to live there, but I didn't have a job. All of our projects and the things we were doing there, we were just self-funding or, or having, you know, sponsors from our old parish help with that. But anyway, that's the reason why we had to come back. So... Now, to answer your question about why Caldwell, um, we initially, like I said, I thought we were going to go to Texas. I always thought Texas was a great place; would be a great place to live. Well, anyway, we went to Texas, and this isn't saying anything negative about Texas, <laughs> but 
I really didn't care for it. Um, it just wasn't similar to a culture that I'd lived in before. I didn't really care for the weather or the humidity, humidity there. Other and than the barbecue, I don't see much, you know, much No, point. I really didn't. And, and we actually, we had some friends that live in northern Texas. My son was down in the south. And we actually spent a little bit of time and drove all through. It was almost like I was searching for where, where could we live in Texas. Anyway, it just wasn't a fit. So we ended up going actually back to Guatemala and, um, and started really kind of scouring opportunities and where could we go and and internet up there we we had a we had internet there in the sense that there was one hotel by the lake and if you went to the hotel and you bought a coffee you could use their internet (laughs) (laughs) so i had a laptop it was it was useless for the most part um for for internet unless i drug it down to the hotel and bought a coffee if i bought a coffee there then they let me you know they gave me the code which changed every day and um but anyway, so um, uh, so that was kind of interesting. But anyway, um, we started searching for places to live. And then when I was in, but when we were in Texas and we were thinking about moving there, one one thought keep com- kept coming back to my mind. I still have five brothers in California, and and if I lived in uh, too far from California, I don't know how often I would see those brothers. So I started thinking, I think we better move back closer to California. Although neither my wife or I wanted to go back to California. I understand it, why. It wasn't the culture. <laughs> it's almost like we were being squeezed out of California. And, uh, um, yeah, exactly. Um, for, they for, didn't want us. For a variety <laughs> of ways, yeah, from, uh, from different perspectives, too. But anyway, so I started scouring around a little bit, and we thought, Idaho. We had some friends quite a few years ago that moved to northern Idaho, and they just loved it. So I thought, let's, let's look at Idaho. So I'm looking at Idaho. And actually, Idaho's not that large <laughs> in, in, with, with uh, options for different cities. Now, I'm, I'm a psychiatric nurse. I've been doing that for over 30 years. And so I need to find a place that had a psychiatric hospital that I could work at. I started searching um, it for Idaho, and actually this small hospital popped up called West Valley Medical Center that has a psychiatric unit. And they were looking for a psychiatric nurse that would do the psychiatric evaluations in the emergency room, the crisis work. So when people come in and they're wanting maybe to end their life or they tried to end their life or they have something like a psychotic disorder like schizophrenia and they're really not stabilized or grounded, they show up at the emergency room. Well, they send a nurse down there to evaluate that person to see what's going on with them and then make a decision on what's the best treatment recommendation for them to admit them upstairs onto the mental health unit or find some different avenue. Well, anyway, that sounded perfect. So I uh, interviewed for the job at that hotel in Guatemala. I Skyped by being Skyped there. And I, I got the job. After you bought a coffee. After I bought a coffee. Actually, they actually had great lattes there, believe it or not, in this small little village. <laughs> well, that Guatemalan coffee, I hear, is pretty good. So It is great. It is great, yeah. But anyway, so I Skyped, uh, I Skyped uh, an interview, and um, I was offered the job. And then from there, I bought a couple of tickets, and we flew out. We flew to Texas, where we did save a couple of boxes of belongings in Texas. We had pitchers. Basically, we saved pitchers. And um, picked up, uh, rented a car, because we didn't own a car. So we rented a car, um, saw my son, picked up a couple of boxes that we that we kept, drove across country, stopped in Montana, picked up my my wife's mother, and then came out here to Idaho and then looked for an apartment, basically. Well, so your wife's wife is from Montana. Your wife's no, but 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 she had they had some family there that she was staying with. All yeah. right, yeah. So that that adventure. 
that brings you to Idaho, and we are very glad you're here. Uh, Deacon Kerry was kind of running a little ragged doing both Saturday and Sunday masses. So it's great. You've been a great addition, and you've been a great addition to our adult ministry as well. And so, okay, so you got books. When, how long have they been? I mean, how long have you been writing, and when did it start, and what caused you to start writing? Yeah, I've, I started writing about 10 years ago, and um, this is kind of a funny thing. I, I read this novel, this Catholic novel written by Bud McFarland from Catholic City. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that before. But anyway, I was reading this novel, and the characters in it were so real to me that I remember one day I was telling a story to a friend, and my wife kind of butts in, and she said, that friend's not real. <laughs> she said, what are you talking about? I realized it was a character in the book that was so real to me, I thought the man was real, and I was sharing this story. Well, anyway, it was a very, very interesting story. It really helped me think about my faith, and because it was a Catholic novel is what it was. Think about my faith. These characters like ordinary people but um, and doing ordinary things, and then actually ended up doing extraordinary things in their life as God really reached down and touched them in their life. Anyway, so I read three of his books. He's written three. And I thought, I think I can do this. You know, I, I really had the opportunity to have a lot of exposure with, with really interesting people in my life. I've been to a lot of different places. And being a psychiatric nurse, people really invite us into aspects of their life that they don't really share normally day to day with people. The filters are gone, and they're really kind of raw at that moment, especially when they're in crisis. So you and, you had to write all these evaluations down, so you really got a lot of practice writing to where it made sense, right? So you had to depict what they were saying in as colorful a language as they probably told you as well, huh? Yeah, sometimes, but they were just, you know, you heard you heard the saying that real life, real life events are really uh, more interesting than anything that you could ever make up. And it's really true. It is really true. So anyway, I sat down and I just started writing. I took people in my life that are real people. And then I started off with them with, with, an imaginary, with a character. And then I used kind of my imagination. I'd morph different things. And I, and I wrote my first book. And uh, it was called Church, uh, More Than Just a Building. And that was 10 years ago. And it really had to do with these characters that were really struggling in life, trying to find their way. The inner workings of the church and things that happened in the church with what people would call maybe a good priest or maybe an evil priest. <laughs> you know, remember, this is fiction. Uh-huh. Uh, but anyway, and then, and then I, I wrote this story, and it went over really, really well. And people really liked it. And so I just continued to write. And who published that? I go through a place called CreateSpace. It's the uh, publishing division of Amazon. And so they publish it, and then the books are available on Amazon.com. Okay. So anyway, over the course of the years, I've just written more and more of these books. And the, the idea and the concept behind them is they, they usually have three main characters in the book. And they, there's three parallel life stories that are going on. And they intertwine. And God's involved in there. And, and like I said, they're really based on real people so and real all, experiences. So they're all Catholic novels? They're all Catholic. And about how many pages per book? Would you, they, they range from 275 to 400 pages. So not a, not a heavy, deep book, but a good read. And, yeah. And always, do you incorporate your um, Catholicism like catechesis, or is, are you trying to teach anything, or just tell a story? Yeah, there, I mean, it's not a catechetical book in the sense. It's an adventure spiritual novel is what it is. But 
embedded in the story is our faith. Okay. So I, I, some, of the, some of the comments I get, you know, the, the greatest thing about like having someone like a distributor like Amazon.com is these books go all over the world. Right. And, and, you know, the power of the Internet just amazes me. You can write a book and you can publish it. You put it on Amazon.com and they go all over the world. So, and anyway, one of the comments that I, I received went something like, I know I'm not Catholic, but I read your book. And it made me start thinking about my life and the decisions I make in my life. Oh, cool. And I think that inspires me greatly that they're reading a story. Hopefully, they're really developing a relationship with these characters. Maybe some of their lives mimic their lives. And they can see how God has touched them. And maybe they can start seeing how God is touching them in their life. So are these are these yeah. books available both on ebooks? Uh, hard, are they hardback? Are they softback? Are they print? I mean, how can someone get these books? They order on Amazon. They get a, a book in the mail or yeah, so, an ebook. Yeah. So the way it works is is they're they're paperback books and they're also ebooks. So if you go to Amazon.com and you can just search Deacon Pat or Pat Kearns. And um, you'll see my that web page comes up. Amazon has a page of all my books, and then you can you can read about them. Um, you can watch videos, um, tra- video trailers for the books, and you can um, and you can order them. And they sh- they ship it to your house, and you receive it in about five days after you order it. Now, and who makes the video trailers? I, I do, I do. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's fascinating. So you've been writing for ten years, mm-hmm. and you're. Sixth book just came out. It came out in January. Okay. Um, yeah, my sixth one, and I'm I'm really excited about this one. And if you live in Idaho, especially if you live in uh, Western Idaho, I think you'll love it. And and the reason for that is, um, the the name of it is called um, Climbing Out of the Darkness, oh. and it really uses local characters and and local kind of. Um, landmarks and i think you'll feel really comfortable reading this book when you recognize you know really where things are happening and and what's happening in the book wow so so people if they if you want an autograph i know the guy i know the (laughs) author you know i've got an in so maybe he'll even autograph my book so you're listening to man cave on salt and light radio and we have deacon pat kearns from our lady of the valley in caldwell as our guest today been talking about his books and uh, how he got to caldwell and for the second half of the show we want to talk about an incredible ministry that he helps run because now that it's may and it's starting to get warmer and we're all looking forward uh, for reasons to get up into the mountains and be outdoors because that's what we men love to do uh just kind of share with our listening audience this afternoon about this ministry and why men should uh you know, start circling that first weekend of June on their calendar because you have a big event coming up here in a few weeks. Yeah, I I, I want to tell you, this is exciting because guys, you know, it's been a couple months now since the men's conference and and I know you guys are all fired up and you need a place to go to to add to what you got to further that uh, that basis of, uh, of knowledge and spiritual growth and you need to keep growing you want to keep growing you have that hunger for more uh you can either come to our men's group out at our lady of the valley or join us at men in motion uh, i went to the very first one i was trying to get to the second one but had some conflicts the first one was fantastic we we had a blazing great time didn't we deacon pat <laughs> there's a we did and you know there's a story that goes along with it and i don't know if pat you want to tell i don't know i don't because i i might i don't want to embarrass myself anymore than i already have <laughs> i okay then i'll do it because this is hilarious i think um anyway so we're sitting at this retreat and we're sitting around the campfire 
And um, and we're really just, it's a time of fellowship. We got the campfire blazing. It's not quite dark yet. We built the fire. This was in early May, two years ago, right? a year ago. A year ago, a year ago in ago. May. Yeah. So we have a whole group of guys, and we're sitting around this campfire, and the fire's burning pretty well, and we're just kind of joking, enjoying each other. And for a lot of the guys there and, and at these Men in Motion retreats, um, they draw people from a variety of different parishes. So some of the people that show up you know from your parish, but some are from other parishes. So the guys were sitting around the campfire getting to know each other from different parishes. And it was very, very relaxing, um, beautiful day. You could hear the birds chirping, you know, and we're, we're the river enjoying. across the way. Was, oh yeah, the trickling, the, the trickling of the stream. You know, there and, wasn't a lot of traffic because it was still a lot of snow up in the mountain. So we were, it was pretty quiet and very and very peaceful. Very. And then out of nowhere, we hear a boom, and and it was kind of muffled a little bit because it was off in the distance. And we, I thought, someone's shooting or what are they doing? You know, up in, here in the mountains. And so a couple of guys looked around and we didn't really notice. And a little bit more time went by and we hear another boom. And then then we're directed off to our off to the, our right. And we look down across this parking lot and it's where Pat King has his teardrop trailer parked. And it's on fire. The trailer is on fire, and there's there's these huge flames coming off of it. And we we just we just look over there, and then instinctively, the guys all start running towards there. We realize those booms are propane tanks exploding in the fire. The little bombs. And um, it shows you how smart our group is. What when when things are exploding, what does a group of guys do? <laughs> we run they towards. run towards it. <laughs> <laughs> so we run over. We run there. We get halfway there, and we realize we need water. We need water to put this out. Well, the only water that we have is in the opposite direction. There's a, what, what do they call it, like a water pump? There's a water pump, yes. A water pump. And people are then dumping out their ice chests to be able to fill their ice chests at the water pump. We get this a lot, manual water pump. A manual so water to, pump. So we, we have to crank pump, it up. Pump it. Anyway, so we get this human chain line going. And as we're filling up these ice chests, we're, we're handing it down and then running over and throwing throwing this water on the fire. And Pat, I don't know what Pat was thinking with this, with this, this outrageous fire going on. He opens the door of this teardrop trailer, and then he climbs inside of it, and he starts gathering it. He pulls out a computer. He pulls out. I was only three-quarters of the way in. And, but it's still exploding. It's still, I hear this boom. Well, I had, my, I had my pistol with me. I saw guns coming I, out and, of there. And I had some bullet shells in there, plus I had some more propane tanks. And I wanted to save my mattress so I could sleep that night. Oh, my goodness. But you know what? So um, we did put out the fire. And we got, we got the propane tanks away from the fire. We put it out. And here's an amazing thing. i got to show this about Pat because he won't, he won't say this about himself. So we have this huge catastrophe in the middle of the men's retreat. Anyway, we put out the fire. And then we say, okay, well, what do we do now? And I'm just, I'm just expecting Pat to react to this thing. Half of, his, half of his trailer is gone at this point. And he says, well, let's just resume the retreat. <laughs> and we go back around the fire and we just jump right back in where we left off. There wasn't much I could do about it. The damage was done. I took some pictures and, and I just put my bed in the back of my truck. And, and uh, there wasn't much else I could do. Everybody, yeah. everybody was so kind. It burned most of my food and my dry goods. And and uh, good thing it didn't get the beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So everybody everybody pitched in. Kerry uh, 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 Comstock, uh, he was camped near me, and he provided me breakfast the next day. And people gave me some ice to put uh, keep my whatever food I had left back in the, in the cooler. And you know what? 
We all bonded together. I think I think that was probably one of the the best bonding experiences because we all had something to laugh about, share, had it something in common greatly as one co- cohesive unit. And you know what? What was I going to do? It was what it was, and life goes on. Yeah, yeah. Well, to get back a little bit, though, about the Men in Motion retreats and kind of how they started and what are they all about, um, really what I found was, and this is back in Northern California almost a decade ago, um, we had a men's group, and it was a good group, but um, it wasn't really flourishing that well. Um, the guys worked hard up there, and they didn't really want to come to the church after work and get together. They had other things they'd rather do, but they loved to be in the outdoors. They loved to go outside. And, and I don't know if I dreamed this or how it came into my mind, but I just thought, you know, getting guys in the outdoors where they like to be and adding a spiritual component to it would be, I think, a recipe for success. So we actually structured this program. I got a couple of guys together, and we structured this program where, where we would um, have a theme for the weekend, and we would go out into the wilderness, and we would have talks interspersed with doing fun things. Those fun things could be kayaking down a river. It could be backpacking. It could setting be fishing. Pats, setting Pat's trailer on fire. Put, yeah, making fires and explosions. You know, playing with fire is a great thing for men. <laughs> But anyway, oh, so yeah, that was that was the first thing, you know, the first retreat. That was the first thing they did, man. They got out their chainsaws, their their axes. They went up and started cutting wood down. They had, yeah, they had wood enough for like five more retreats. You know, you get you get 10, 15, 20, 25 men together, and it's an amazing experience. You know, some of the retreats we've had in the past. Um, one is we had all of our wives drop us off high in the mountains on the Pacific Crest Trail in Northern California. And that was our starting point. And then we asked them to pick us up three days later, 36 miles down the road. And so we hiked the Pacific Crest Trail 12 miles a day. We backpacked and then ended up at the end. But during that time, and we always take a priest with us. So during that time, we'd have these talks. And the, the really kind of the, the way it's set up with these retreats is you'll receive a, a short talk on spirituality or some theme, and then you have what you call an hour of silence in motion afterwards. So on that retreat, you'd receive a talk about some aspect of being a man and evaluating your life, and then you have to set off in motion. So you would hike in silence thinking about what you just heard. We do that a couple of times through the day, and then kind of the highlight of these retreats are the campfires at night. When you get together at night, all the men um, gather, and then we start with a prayer, and then we start off with sharing what our personal time of reflection revealed to us. And an amazing thing happens when one guy starts sharing a little bit on how he thought God was talking to him. It inspires another man to share something, and that inspires another man to see an aspect of himself and share something. And that fellowship and that spiritual dynamic that happens around the campfire is life-changing. So many of these guys have told me that by going on one of these retreats, it really changed the course of their life. And so we've done we've done backpacking trips. We did a 250-mile kayaking trip down the Sacramento River. We started in Redding, and we ended up in Sacramento. We've done um, in well, the middle. Did, you did that in three days? 
No, that was a six-day trip. Oh, that was a six-day, okay. But we've done um, Quincy building. So we actually went up um, into the mountains and into the snow, and we made Quincy's, which are like um, igloos, and we slept in those. Um, we've done lots and lots of things. So anyway, we brought this to Idaho, and, um, and, and we have these here. I think our third one is coming up now um, next month in June. Think it, are you sure? I'm sure. <laughs> it's uh, June 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. It's the weekend after Memorial Day, and we'll be going to the Lost Valley Reservoir by New Meadows. And um, for more information, if you'd like to read about that and see what it's all about, you can go to catholicmininmotion.com, and you'll see our webpage. It'll have more information about it. And, um, and if you, you're interested in it, you can sign up right online. Here's the, here's, here's the kicker about these things. They're always free. What? There, is, there, is, there is no cost to these retreats. Now, the way we do that is you actually bring your own gear and you bring your own food. That's an easy thing to do for a guy. And, and it doesn't hurt to bring some whiskey to share, right? Yeah, yeah we, uh, we share the spirits in many ways around <laughs> that campfire at night. But, you know, we do most of the sharing before the spirit. <laughs> I thought we did a lot of sharing afterward. But you know what I, what I have found? And, and I've been on the, I was on the first one, but as I've done the men's group and stuff like that, what I'm finding is that men are starting to realize that you can have a deeply profound spiritual life and still have the warrior within you that they co- that they actually coexist simultaneously and are actually even enhanced by both of them being each each one deeper and better at each one of them. The, the more you take in, you're involved with your spiritual life and the more you are as the leader of the family or leader of your get involved in your church, the the, the both of them tend to grow on each other and, and get greater. Yeah, you know, another thing I noticed with these retreats, and it, and I really noticed it initially almost 10 years ago, and then every time we have one, I see the same thing happen over and over and over again. The, before we had the very first retreat, there were guys in the pews that sat, you know these guys, yeah. they sit in the same section in the church week after week after week, and many of them do not even know the man or the family that sits next to them. After we had the very first retreat, there was something about going into the outdoors spending time together with a spiritual component, eating together, being around a campfire together that bonded these men's, men together um, just remarkably. The very next Sunday at church, those same men that never spoke to each other before, when, when Mass was over, they were out in the parking lot hanging out together, and their families were hanging out together. Exactly. It changed that one retreat, the very first one, changed the whole dynamic of that parish. So your goal is to do two, two a year? Two two men's re, men in motion retreat you know, a year. You know, I'm not really sure. I think for right now we're doing we're doing two, and and these ones we're doing they're more stationary. They're not really where where we're taking these long backpacking trips or or long kayaking trips. They're more to where you can drive to a campground, bring your supplies with you, and just really kind of set in. We'll have day hikes from there and different adventures, but that's what we're doing for now. And yes, for now we're doing I think two per summer. And this isn't our Lady of the Valley retreat. It's a it's a Anyone that wants to come, any male above what age? So you have to be 18 years just because of the content. We want to keep these really focused to things that are really pertinent to men in our lives. So so you need to be an adult, 18 years and above. And anyone that hears this message, we've had people flying from other states to come to some of these retreats. Oh, so anybody can come that would like to come. We, we would like to have you RSVP. Remember, the website is Catholic Men in Motion. Dot com. That way we know who's coming and we can plan for, for you being a participant. 
Deacon Pat Kearns from Our Lady of the Valley in Caldwell has been our guest today on Man Cave. And we would just encourage you to please go check out that website because the next retreat is coming up June 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. For Pat King, my co-host, I'm Brian Howell. Thanks for listening this afternoon. Stick around for Catholic Answers Live coming up next on Salt and Light listener-supported Catholic Radio.